Alina off Nagy's glove into center field. The Florida Marlins have won the World Series. Spins, throws, he got him! A perfect game for Roy Halladay! 27 up and 27 down! Behind the bag, it gets through Buckner! for the Nationals in the first game in their beautiful new ballpark. Left center field, Grissom on the run. The team of the 90s has its world championship. Hello and welcome to You Gotta Believe, the By The Men NL East podcast. We are here this week again to talk about the National League East. A fairly interesting week where... A lot of teams aren't good, apart from mine. So this is going to be a happy podcast for me. I'm Jody Jameson. I support the Philadelphia Phillies. And I'm Thomas Ross, and I am support the New York Mets. So we will talk about the... I, I'm going to talk about the Phillies to start off our sort of run through the division in a bit. Um, because I think there's some positive things to say there. And then we're going to have to talk about everybody else's problems. But uh, before we get to that, we've got some news. Um, one bit of news, uh, I'm sort of career... Um, career milestone uh, Robinson Cano reached two and a half thousand hits last week um now obviously three thousand hits is probably going to be a, an even more difficult thing to get to just the way baseball's going a lot of guys are walking which when you walk you don't hit um a lot of guys aren't playing long 15 20 year uh, careers anymore so um how significant is Robinson Cano's two and a half thousand hit I mean I think we're going to see a fair number of guys over time get to two and a half thousand hits, but 3,000 is going to be much rarer than ever before. So I think this is a pretty significant milestone. Yeah, it is. He's just, um, and there was, the, there was a great start somewhere that I think he hit his two and a half thousand hit against, I think it was the son or something like that of someone he um, used to play with or something like that because he's been playing for what, a decade and, decade and a half? I mean, it was about 2005, 2006 when he came over the Yankees, wasn't it, I think? And he's Roughly. may have got that completely wrong, but it's something like that. I think it was, um, yeah, it's, I think it's, you know, it's a great achievement, whatever I think about how Robbie's been so far, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. You know, it is two and a half thousand hits. That is fair going. You know, it's uh, certainly in one league. I you know um, Ichiro got over, what was it, 3,000 and over two leagues. Is it always did he get three thousand in the majors? Was it? Was he got three thousand in the majors, but I think it was oh, like 3, sorry, yeah, it was, it was like four thousand five hundred or something over both. Yeah, I was a bit confused over the two, to be honest, because it was, and obviously there's Pete Rose and and everything. Um, but yeah, I think I mean Robbie's done great over his career. It was when I first started watching baseball seven years ago, he was um, a player for a couple of years who I loved to watch because I just thought he had the most beautiful swing I and mean, he still has when he when he wants to I mean it's not he's not been great this season but it is when he's when it's on that swing is as is almost Ken Griffey like as far as I'm concerned it is absolutely glorious it's funny because when I watch Robinson Cano's swing uh, mostly on the low ball I think he's going to pop everything up his swing is so pure but it's just, it looks like he's just trying to golf things when it's a low ball, but he gets through the ball. And not only that, when it's low, he's really good at hitting it the other way sometimes. You know, I know he's a pull hitter, but like sometimes he'll get down on the low ball. Not so much 
hitting it to left field, but certainly left center. And I've, I've, I've always enjoyed his swing, to be honest, but there's something about his mechanics that I don't understand how he doesn't pop the ball up all the time. But it's kind of funny to do this on an NL East podcast because Robinson can obviously two and a half thousand hits in his career. How many of them have been uh, for a National League East team? Like 25, 30, something like that. But um, it's always good to see a milestone. And yeah, Cano's career has just been a very, very good one. Um, I it's, it's, it's interesting because Cano, to me, strikes me as a guy who is probably not going to be like a Hall of Famer, but... I think in time, people will look back at him getting to two and a half thousand hits in the era he got it and realize that it probably wasn't as good and it, it probably realized it was a better achievement than they thought at the time. That's 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 my honest thoughts on Kano getting to two and a half thousand. I think people will look back at it and realize how impressive that was just because there's not many guys that are doing that, especially guys who hit for some power as well, you know, like. The, the 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 most likely guys to get to two and a half thousand hits are like your sort of your leadoff hitters, you know, guys guys that can hit three hundred but don't really hit for power. So uh, can all get into that milestone? I think is really really impressive. And uh, just to stick with the Mets, you've got an update on Ron Darling. Uh, yes, he's he's had his um, his testy. I mean, the mass on his chest that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago um, has been removed, but he's been diagnosed with sadly with thyroid cancer. Oh, I mean, this is yeah. I mean, but Ronnie has put on his own uh, Twitter. You know, his doctors say they're they're optimistic that the cancer is treatable, uh, and um, and I'll be back. And the, I think he's the, the doctors are still saying, according to Ronnie, that they're going to he's going to be talking baseball, and you know, before the the All Star break, anyway, next month or so, hopefully. But um, I mean, it's not. I mean, we don't want him back. Um, before he's ready, we just want him to be um, happy and healthy. And I mean, it's again, it still sounds optimistic. I mean, anything that has got cancer at the end of it, it doesn't sound great. But you know, the uh, the, the main word there, as far as I'm concerned, is not cancer. It's the word treatable. Yes. You know, so if Ronnie says it, as doctors told him, it's treatable. Doctors won't say that unless they're. Um, so said we. I mean, who. I doubt you too many families listening who haven't had some sort of history with cancer. So it, it's um, a mine has too. So it, it it is a horrible disease, but as I said, it's treatable, and um, hopefully we'll have Ronnie back in the in the booth um, sooner rather than later. I hope so, definitely. Um, yeah, best wishes to Ron Darling. The Washington Nationals have had um, a strange week. Um, as always, we will. We will. In fact, we'll probably just roll onto this to talk about the Nationals in general because uh, we we had to talk about whether they were actually a bad team last week, and uh, the past seven days really hasn't been um, any indication that things are going to turn around. But they did uh, towards the end of last week. Fired Derek Lilliquist, their pitching coach, and I've got a couple of things to say about this. Um, one, I feel like this is what teams who are going the wrong way do: they go out and find a scapegoat. Um, and the quote just really bothered me, right? They said when they got rid of him, right, this isn't something they'd been thinking about for just two days or two weeks. They'd been thinking about it for a while, right? So basically, they're essentially saying, we've been thinking about this for more than two weeks. And at the point that they fired him, the season was five weeks old. So, like, what the fuck were they doing? Like, I don't get that at all. I think it's absolutely mental. 
Uh, now, granted, when they did fire him, they were talking about the bullpen um, issues, and the Nationals do have bullpen issues that we're going to talk about, but they fired him at the end of the best week the bullpen have had uh, this season, and it just is like I, I wouldn't say they had a good week, but they had a they had a more than okay week. The week they actually got rid of him, so they fired him because of the bullpen performance, despite the fact they waited until the bullpen looked like it was heading in the right direction. And I'm not saying this is cause and effect, but from the moment they fired him, their bullpen's been an absolute disaster again. But yeah, I just think this is absolutely nuts. And like, yeah, I, like on paper, it's absolutely nuts. Now, I don't know really how good or bad a pitching coach Derek Lilliquist is, but A, this feels like this feels like one of those scapegoat moves and B, the timing of it was just wacky, accompanied by the quote as well, because if they've been thinking about it for more than two weeks, why didn't they do it in the offseason? Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it, it's not the only uh, coaching dis- decision in the, in our division, of course. Didn't the Marlins get rid of their hitting coach about three weeks ago? Did they? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's um, uh, a Cranberg Pretty much everyone had the same opinion as me, and it's like, you know, you, you could have the greatest hitting coach in the world again with that offense. You're not going to get much out of it, you know. Yeah. It, um, it's, um, but yeah, I completely agree. And and again, that you know, going back to the word scapegoat, I think that was the same with the Marlins hitting coach, and it was just, um, I mean, I might have just made that up, but I've really, I'm sure I read that somewhere. No, you're right. I just, I just flicked it, and you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, yeah, I completely agree that, I mean, I mean, I understand, you know, some coaches do a bad job and, you know, there might be extenuating circumstances to get rid of a coach, a hitting coach, a pitching coach, whatever, during the season. But surely, you you know, in April, you by April, by spring training, even by spring training, I think that you, the coaching staff you have then should be the, the staff that you have, you intend to have at least by you know for the rest of the the season but if you from what you've said it sounds like they were once they made up their mind but it looks like they were almost waiting for an excuse yeah that's what uh, i think yeah so it was so they were obviously already thinking about it. so they met the mess messed about the poor bloke you know that i mean that is i mean i don't know what kind of bloke he is again i don't know what kind of pitching coach he is but i can't imagine that's I mean, that must have pissed him off, really. He's obviously been messed about there. And I can't imagine it's, I mean, it's... I'm sure it's like any other job, really. You know, there will be ripples about that. Because, I, I mean, I know... I mean, yeah, there will be people, there will always be someone who will fill that position in. But, you know, if people will look at, you know, how he's been treated, surely, and think, like, I don't want to work for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. So... The the Nationals are playing terrible baseball at the moment. There's no denying it. They finally shipped off Trevor Rosenthal from the bullpen uh, about time as well because I mean this guy was just this guy was just cooked and he should not have been on a major league hill. Um, we talked last week about them being bad, and since then they have played six games and lost five of them. In their last ten games, they have scored more than three runs only once. Uh, granted, the time they did, they scored 10, so fair play. But, yeah, um, I have so many things to say about the Nationals. They are they are terrible at the moment. 
And they're terrible for they're, one of the reasons they're terrible is because their bullpen is bad. Another reason they're terrible is because everybody is dropping like flies out of their lineup. They do have Anthony Rendon back, but I mean, in the past week, obviously they've had um, ju- uh, what's his name, Trey Turner. I almost said Justin Turner. He's been on IL pretty much all season. Uh, Ryan Zimmerman's been out for a while. Juan Soto landed on the DL last week. Matt Adams is now on it. Uh, yeah, it's. It's getting to the point where Washington are really in trouble. They're seven games back in the division. They're eight games under 500. They're about to start a four-game stretch in Dodger Stadium, which I don't like, and their May schedule overall is pretty brutal. So um, can Washington tread enough water over the next month or so that they can get people back and turn this around, or are we looking at a team that are just in decline? Um, I think they're in decline, uh, personally. I mean... I really thought looking at their their side that they would, even with the odd injury or so, which everyone's going to have throughout the season, that they would have enough to to get by. Um, but you can't, with all that's going on with their, with their bullpen especially, it's it just looks so, so bad. Um, and it, I mean, even in the series they lost against you guys, they considered 19 runs, I think, in those three games. 12 wow. of them. 12 of those came by, via the bullpen, which really says an awful lot about where their troubles are. But as I said they're not scoring. I mean, if you, if you take, I mean, that 10-8 game was a bit of an aber- aberration, really, in terms of them scoring 10 runs. That was the a other, weird game overall, but... Yeah, yeah, in the five games they lost, they, just quick maths here, they scored nine runs, I think, in those five games. That's less than two per game. So it's... Um, uh, you know, not in, you know, three, three, two, and a one. You know, that is terrible. And, and they got shut out once against the Brewers the other day. And it was, um, I mean, it, this looks so devoid of confidence as well. And it's, I mean, yeah, they've played two really, really good teams, Phillies and the Brewers. Although the Brewers have had their problems, um, on the, on the mound as well, there for the, uh, recently. But, I just don't see them coming. Even when Turner gets back, Zimmerman gets back. Um, but when you know your hottest hitter of the moment is Kurt Suzuki, with all due respect to him, that really says an awful lot as well about the offensive side as well. I mean, wherever you look with the um, with the Nats, it's it's really really ugly, and I, it's difficult to see any light at the end of the tunnel for them, really. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I want to talk about David Martinez as well because I don't feel like he's doing enough, to be honest. Um, there was the game on Friday night in the Philly series where um, Jeremy Hellickson was dealing. And I think the Nationals were 2-1 up. Um, Hellickson had only thrown 79 pitches and it was like, I think he was through like, he was, he was in the sixth inning. And uh, Martinez lifted him. And of course, then the Phillies got to play against the bullpen that wasn't, Sean Doolittle and Kyle Bearclaw. So uh, they turned it around and won the game. And Hellickson was pitching superb as well. Like Hellickson was pitching phenomenally. And then the next night, Patrick Corbin was really, really struggling with command. And uh, Martinez left him in to throw 118 pitches. Um, I think he left with the bases loaded. And it did work out in that sense, but Corbin was really struggling with command. And like I couldn't believe they left him in. Um, they got away with it with um, with Corbin, 
But then in the next inning, they left. Uh, they put in Joe Ross. Uh, Joe Ross faced seven hitters, um, gave up a bunch of extra base hits, gave up five earned, got one out, and it was just like it was so obvious after like two, three hitters that Joe Ross had nothing to give. And instead, David Martinez just left him in the hell. And this was a this was at a point where Washington were winning the game that Ross came in, and. Martinez was just so slow to do anything about it. And I just found that to be concerning. I know, obviously, with the way the bullpen's performing, it, there's probably a part of him thinking that you go into that bullpen and there's not a lot to bring back out. But I still felt like he left Joe Ross in and Ross was just giving up double after triple after single. It was just He was just getting lit up all over the park. And I couldn't believe he left him in for so long. And the fact that Washington came back and won that game was in spite of their manager, I felt. And if he had made a if he had made a move to get Joe Ross when it was clear he didn't have his stuff, then Washington could have maybe came out of that game tied. Maybe came out of that inning tied. Instead, they came out, I think, three runs down. And yeah, Washington staged a comeback and won the game. But David Martinez's managing over those two games had to be called into question for me. I felt like he there was no reason to lift Jeremy Hellickson the night before. He got lucky leaving Patrick Corbin in. Um, he got away with it. But then he left Joe Ross in for donkeys, and I could not understand it. Yeah, I mean, we've spoken in the past about um, uh, how much uh, managers, I mean, debated anyway, how much like, managers have an effect on the game. But one thing they do have an effect on is, um, is bullpen management. I learned that a lot through uh, observing them, uh, Terry Collins, when he was match manager, was that that was his probably his biggest one of his biggest flaws, and it's um, yeah, he, Martinez clearly is just um, is struggling with that at the moment. It just wherever you look with the Nats, really, but I don't think they've really been quite the same team since Dusty Baker left. Really, I mean, if, I might be completely wrong here, but wasn't he sacked? Dusty Baker, and, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, um, I thought it was hilarious when they hired Dusty Baker in the first place. Um, but, well, yeah. yeah, like, David Martinez, to me, seems like even a downgrade on Dusty. Yeah, but I said I did, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I mean Dusty... But to be honest, like, Nationals fans might not like this, but when it comes to stuff like this, Nationals' ownership is cheap as anything. Yeah, you know? I mean, I can't say much about that, really, can I? But um, it's, um, I mean... Uh, Honestly, it's like the will bombs are as cheap as cheap as pretty much anything, really. But it's uh, it, but yeah, but I mean, both the Mets and the Nats both um, went for cheap options, and it's and it's uh, backfiring in their faces at the moment. But it, it's um, uh, but you know that's the the that's uh, what you do when you when you go for unproven talent um, as your manager, um, you know, but. You know they've got they made the bed. I've got a lie in it, unfortunately. And uh, to be honest, I don't. I, but I don't think a change of manager will see a dramatic um, sort of 2003 Marlins-esque um, um, turnaround from the uh, the Nats. Really, I think this is um, going to be a long, hard struggle for them this season. Yeah, it's starting to look that way. To be honest, I wouldn't write. I wouldn't write them off just because they have enough talent to turn it around. But as we said last week. This isn't like this is a 2019 problem. This is continuing a 2018 problem. So, um, 
we'll, we'll just have to wait and see on that one. I will talk about the Phillies now. I was going to start with the Phillies, but um, after ranting about them firing their pitching coach, we just kind of naturally got onto this. But the Phillies um, are doing pretty much exactly what I want them to do. They are playing series, they are winning two of three, and they're just playing consistently reasonable baseball. Uh, the offense is getting a lot from Reese Hoskins. He's actually getting a fair amount from Cesar Hernandez at the moment, who is, uh, after a poor start with a bat and an even worse start with a glove, is starting to get his bat sorted at least. The, the glove, still a little bit to be desired, although it's getting better. Um, Harper is at least hitting the ball hard now. He did hit a slam a couple of days ago, but he's been hitting into some hard outs recently as well. Um, but to me, the Phillies, uh, it's pitching that's really doing it. Save that game on Saturday night against the Nationals where um, the bullpen really didn't do a job. Um, the Phillies' rotation has been really, really good. The bullpen has been good enough for the most part. Uh, going through the individual starters, Nola's got his shit together and has started to look good. Arietta has been steady. We can't really complain about him. Vince Velasquez is starting to frustrate me despite the fact these numbers are good because he cannot get out of the fifth inning without throwing 100 pitches at the moment. Um, but Jared Eikhoff has been excellent. Now, Zach Eflin's been good, but Jared Eikhoff has been excellent. And we spoke a bit before we came onto the pod, and uh, somebody said this on a Phillies board um, that I frequent um, a couple of days ago, and it was really true because we were debating Nick Pavetta, um, Vince Velasquez, uh, and their stuff and how they can't seem to really get it together. Whereas Eikhoff, I mean, he throws a fastball about 89, 90 mile an hour. But in terms of like the stuff that um, Pavetta and Velasquez has, the best pitch in any repertoire out of those two and Eikhoff is Eikhoff's curveball. And at the moment, he's just spotting the fastball well and he's getting guys out with a curveball. And I, obviously, I don't expect Eikhoff to um, keep up what he's doing at the moment. But I feel like pitching is really helping to carry the Phillies at the moment. Not that they're not getting something from their offense, obviously, because they're scoring a shit ton of runs. But the Phillies are are interesting with the bats at the moment because they don't tend to have these games where they score like seven runs, where they get a run in this inning and a run in that inning and two in that inning. They're tending to just bludgeon teams with like crooked numbers. And the funny thing is, some of a lot of the crooked number innings that they've put up recently, they've not hit a home run in. So that's kind of encouraging that they can beat you in a lot of different ways um, with the bats. But um, the Phillies now, potentially, with everybody else in the division scuffling, the Phillies have the potential to pull away in this division without really playing great baseball as it stands at the moment. So um, as a Phillies fan, obviously I'm happy with how things are going. This will be the happiest podcast I've done in a while. They're the only team above 500 in the division, the only team with a positive run differential, and it's plus 31. The only team with a winning record over the last 10 games. And, yeah, the only team with a winning record over the past week. So, Thomas, um, bring me down a peg. Um, all right. Um, I've, just, I've managed to stop crying. So, um, <laughs> after that lovely long list. Um, yeah, it's... Um, no, seriously, though. But, but Hossi and Hernandez just... I mean, yeah, you're, you're right about the pitching and... Eikhoff, for, for, for no apparent reason, has turned into Greg Maddox for some reason. So, <laughs> um, it, it's, but yeah, Jose and Hernandez, they're 34 for their last 104 combined, and they're just out and out hitting. And it's, uh, well, to be fair, Hernandez had to do something to take away from his horrendous defense this season. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. And um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's, but as I said, Hoskins is, I mean, his last. 
15 games, he's hitting, he's slugging over 800, which is just downright bizarre. Yeah. Um, really. So it's, I mean, Hernandez, I mean, he's, you know, slugging around about over 500 in that time, but it, it's, uh, but I see his game, his game's more getting on base, really, isn't it? And mm-hmm. it's, uh, and he's, a, he's just always been a, even when I still remember you talking about him like about two or three years ago, and you were, he, he was like one of the first you mentioned, really, with regards to players you really, well, hitters, really. I think you were like, um, and it was, he's just sort of, he's just steady, isn't he? He's just kind of like a bit like Jeff McNeil. It just hits, doesn't he? So he's yeah. just, um, he, as I said, I mean, throughout your whole, I grew if through, throughout your whole lineup, you've just got really, really good hitters. And I mean, he can, uh, I mean, Hoskins and Anders seem to be the ones doing it for you at the moment. But as I said, you, you're, you're in first place without Harper really um, catching on fire yet. And Real Muto's had a quiet week. Um, so it's, and, you know, Segura as well. So that is the benefit of having a deep lineup is that not all, all of them have to, you know, you know not all of them have, um, have, have can be brilliant at once. So, you know, if one or two of them, a bit like Hoskins and Anders, it can hold up an entire offense. So it's, um, especially when I said, as you said, the rest of the division is, is struggling. And as you say, your, your pitching is slowly getting there. And the worrying part is, is that, um, is the Phillies B game is, is at the moment 10 times better than, um, your supposed rivals A game at the moment. So it's, um, I think that is the worry really is that, you're finding ways to win, maybe when you're not playing at your best yet, which is the worrying part because you are a really, really good team, but there's you're definitely not hit hit your heights yet, which is I think is the main worry as a rival. Yeah, I I agree. I agree with that in some ways. I think like. I mean, McCutcheon is slowly putting together a good season. He's he's getting on base at like a 370 clip or whatever. Segura's still hitting over 300, so he's doing his job. Harper, yeah, Harper's Harper's numbers aren't great. But like I say, A, he started to hit the ball a bit harder. And B, we know that he's the type of guy who will just hit like 375 for a month at some point. It's just what he's like. Um, but yeah, elsewhere, obviously, Hoskins is doing great. Um Hernandez has been really, really good with the bat the last two weeks or so. Um, Michael Franco slowing down a little, but he's had a, an amazing season. But I still worry that the pitching is kind of overperforming at the moment because um, if you look at the guys, yeah, we're starting to get what we need out of Nola. And, you know, he's starting to look like he's not quite back to the dominance he was last season, but he's, he's pitching well enough that he's having good games and very, very solid starts. Arietta is exactly what I expected them to be, so that's good. But I was worried after that. Uh, Eikhoff's given us far more than could be expected. Eflin's given us far more than can be expected. And even though Vince Velasquez is frustrating the shit out of me, he's given me more than I'd expect as well. And the bullpen, save for guys like Jose Alvarez and I guess Juan Nicasio, who's not been great, bullpen's been pretty good as well. So, um, Whereas there's a, few, there's a few arms in that bullpen that you know are potentially prime for an explosion at some point. So um I am still I am I am I am still cognizant of the fact that there might be more to come from this offense, but I am still aware of the fact that I think this team is pitching a little bit over its head. So uh, I guess it I guess it's what what changes first really. If the if 
if guys like Harper really get going, then this team could be a nightmare. If uh, the pitching starts to regress, like it probably will at some point, then all of a sudden those those close games turn into one run losses instead of one run wins. So, um, yeah, I think I think there's obviously real reasons to be positive for the Phillies at the moment, and I, I mean I'm loving it to be honest. The fact that like. They are not going on one of those runs. Like everybody was getting excited about the Cardinals because they won like what was it six on the bounce, and then they got swept out by the Cubs. And everybody was getting excited about the Cubs because they won nine out of ten. But um, Phillies haven't really done that. They just keep winning two of three. Like it was two of three against Washington, two of three against St. Louis. They split the series, uh, the two game series with the Tigers. They took three or four for the Marlins. That's like their last what twelve games or whatever. So you're looking at like what is it eight and four. I mean, that's the type of baseball that you do that for a month or two and you're laughing. Yeah, without a doubt. It's uh, it's just consistency, you know. I mean, it's um, that, that's the name of the game. I mean, it's 162 games. And, um, well, so you, that's the thing. You guys have just been consistent whilst um, us, the Braves, and the Nats have been – well, actually, the Nats have been consistently crap. But it's um, um, uh, the Mets and the uh, – the Braves have been consistently inconsistent, um, um, especially the last two or three weeks. So it, that's again, that's the name of the game. You've managed to be con- pretty consistent so far without really hitting your straps. And it's um, yeah, it's uh, worrying to say the least. Uh, we'll go on to your Mets right now because um, I'm sure you've got a lot to say since we last did the podcast. They have dropped five of six. Uh, they got swept out by the Brewers um, in Milwaukee and then took one of three from the Padres. Uh, the Mets aren't really scoring enough runs at the moment. If you look at the last um, six games, one, then three, then two, then shut out, then seven, and then two. Um, even before that, there was a couple of decent ones, but um, this Mets offense that we looked at and saw um, a lot of promise for is starting to scuffle at the moment. Um, I, I guess I guess I'll turn over the floor to you because I know you've got uh, a lot to say about the Mets at the moment. So, um, what's your feelings on what's going on at the moment? They're sitting, I believe, seventeen and twenty. Is that right? Yeah, seventeen think, and twenty yeah. at the moment. Yeah, and what you um, haven't mentioned is that second game against the Brewers, that three runs were scored in eighteen innings. Oh, was it really? I think so. Yeah, we actually took the lead in the eighteenth, which is rather embarrassing. Let me have a look. Fuck, and, I, uh, enough. I knew there was an 18 inning game, but I, I actually didn't. Yeah. I, I completely forgot it was the Mets. And I think Ryan Braun walked it off in the bottom half of the inning. So, yes. So I, I can't quite work out the maths on that. But yeah, it's um, we scored 15 runs in six games in, on that away stand. And I said seven of them were in one, one game. So that's eight in the other five games, and one of them was the equivalent of two games. Mm. So it's um, but we can. I mean, with the exception of McNeil, we're just really not hitting. And you know, Cano has been a huge um, issue, uh, really. And he's not. I mean, I mean, yeah. As Harper has, has shown for you guys, you can hit for a low batting average, but have a, a high OPS. You know, if you if you if you're hitting for power, but you know, Cano's not really doing anything. I mean, he. With an error in the field yesterday, and um, which is unlike him, because he's usually a pretty smooth glove. But um, 
yeah, he's, you know, 254, 307, 400 line, three homers, 11 RBI, which is just terrible, really. I mean, I, well, I expect more from him in, from someone who's in the middle of our order anyway. Bad third, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just, um, and, you know, considering he's only got three more RBI than J.D. Davis has, and that's in 52 <laughs> more at-bats. Christ. Yeah. And, um, and I think what's weird is that I think about seven of those 11 RBI for Cano is um, with runners in scoring position. So at least, you know, there's that. But it's he's just not hitting. He's not hitting for any power. He's not really. And from what I can tell, he's, his hard hit rate is, is down as well, or it certainly was the last I looked. And um, we're just making bizarre decisions um, because we're not hitting anyway. And we decided to, to demote our only good bench option, the uh, Dom, Dominic Smith. I mean, yeah, he is the first baseman, and Pete Alonso is having all the all the um, play at first base. I understand that, that he needs games. But it's not that he was struggling. He was 10 for 30. And um, with an on-base of... How old is Dominic Smith? Pardon? How old is Dominic Smith? I don't know. We only drafted him about three, four years ago. So I don't think he's probably in his early to mid-20s. He's probably there's not much in Alonso, him and Alonso's age, I don't think. Right. Maybe okay. We, I was just, I was just wondering because I always have a theory that like if you're if you're playing well off the bench, uh, he is 23, so I understand it. But my theory is that like if you're if you're 25 or under and you get demoted so you can get regular at bats, fine. If you're any older, I think it's bullshit, and I've seen it in the past. But if he's only 23, I guess I can get it. But at the same time, like, um. The way the Mets are hitting at the moment, and I know you don't want to fuck around mid-season, but surely, like, Dominic Smith can play, like, I don't know, a corner outfield position or something like that. You know, if you're desperate. And I would at least hope that, like, he will be back on the roster after, like, a few weeks. Um, especially because I think, like, I know I know it's only three games, but I think, I think the Mets go to Yankee Stadium at the start of June. So you'd expect... Dominic Smith to be up and either him or Pete Alonso play the DH. Yeah, I, in that case, it'll be Pete who plays um, DH, I imagine, because Dom Smith, I mean, not that Pete has been bad defensively, he's been a lot better than was um, predicted, but, you know, Dom is the more, is the superior first baseman, that's for sure. And um, I understand why, again, I understand why he was demoted, but yeah, it's not that like we got that much in the way of options. He had an amazing spring. And, uh, you know, his attitude has been absolutely first class. You know, you know he, him and Pete are, are good mates. And, uh, you know, he's taken it in good heart. He's got no problem with it. And um, it's just really frustrating. I just I understand it, but it's really annoying. You know, we, I mean, it's not the only bad decision. I mean, he, we spent six million quid uh, dollars on... Echeverria and Travis Darno, and we all know what's happened to the latter. So, yeah. it, you know, it, Brody has made some very questionable decisions at the moment. And it's, I mean, again, we're just not hitting Nimmo. I mean, some of the things is not Brody's fault. He's, you know, it's not his fault. Nimmo's only hitting 200. And, um, but, you know, if Cano keeps hitting the way he is, then. We gave up two very, you know, two of our best prospects for him, Kalanich and Dunn, uh, for him, and it's 
it's a bit worrying, I've got to admit, at the moment, because as I said we're just not hitting at all, and they don't know what they've got any real confidence at the moment. And um, I mean, we, we were a little unlucky last night, but I mean, goodness me, I watched it last night, and it was two of the worst at bats that you could possibly wish to see. Um, we we had um, it was a rather bizarre play. I think it was in the sixth or seventh inning, and um, Conforto was at second. He actually stole a base. He actually stole a base actually. And um, but there was a hit to deep center, and it looked like Margot had, had got another catch, but it kind of like fell out of his glove. But Conforto read it quite late, and he's quite a slow runner, so he only went to second. So Nimmo got the double, but then. Um, Thomas Nido comes up and swings at three pitches that, goodness me, I'm not sure it would have been in another strike zone if you put it on top of the other it was that high. <laughs> I mean, goodness me, I'm, I'm, and his last at-bat was, was pretty much the same as well. I mean, it was such awful plate display. It was like watching a, a pitcher hit. Honestly, it was pathetic. And then, and then Todd Frazier comes up with two on, two out, and I, I already knew what was going to happen. Swings at three pitches that weren't even close. You know, he was, he, he's hitting one four three, one sixty two six five seven for forty nine. It's unfortunately it's not a surprise. I'm, I'm not right too often, um, but I was. I've been proven right time and time and again with Todd Frazier. I've never been a fan of this. As good a bloke as he is, he's a decent defender, but he adds absolutely nothing. Um, offensively wise and it's so frustrating seeing him there because you have absolutely no confidence in him when he's there because he just he's so easy to fall um really it was um it's so frustrating watching the Mets right now it's 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 like the the start of last season again and um and the seasons before that it was it's so infuriating Washington because you know how good they can be. I mean, McNeil's being McNeil. He's, he's I think, still only second in on, in uh, batting average to Cody Ballinger at the moment. But it, it's... I mean, we've got, I think, in the next nine games, we've got six against the Marlins and three against the Mats. If we're going to do anything in this season, we need to go minimum seven and two out of that. And it was... Um, because, like, the Phillies or top and about four and a half clear of us without playing to their potential. Mm-hmm. We, we're going to not, we, you know, like fall away completely by the end of even this month, I'd say. Like, well, by, well, by the time we next play you, we need to start winning and winning now. I know it's early. I accept that. But it's just absolutely infuriating the way we're playing. And we need to start winning right now. Because if we do not, then I do see the Phillies by the time we next play you guys being best far 10 games ahead of us. Todd Frazier that you're talking about, this is just such a red flag to me, right? As soon as I see a guy whose career on base percentage is under 320. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. You know, it's just like, if you look at like it season by season, 289 in 2011, 331, 314, 336, 309, 302, 344, 303, and then 160 this year. Now, to me, right, if your on-base percentage is below 333, 
I think you as a bat are essentially a catcher, you know. Like I know there's good there's good catchers, but there's also guys who are, are catchers who are just there because they're great they've got great gloves. But if you're looking at an on base percentage below three thirty three, you're not you're not doing enough with a bat. And he's got one season of three thirty six and one season of three forty four in his career. That's yeah. better than that. I just think it's unacceptable to be honest when you look at it. And yeah, like Todd Frazier to me was just one of those signings where it's just like, yeah, he's a good glove, but he's not he's not like he's not a gold glove. So, you know, like I just don't get it. Yeah, but can I give I mean, you something positive about the Mets? Sorry, say again. Can I give you something positive about the Mets? Uh, Jed uh, Jed Lowry's fit. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's a positive. That's a yeah, positive. Yeah. And yeah, and we all thing is like because we're not hitting, you know, it it it's actually been lost that we're actually pitching really well at the moment. You know, yes. so I mean, yeah, Syndergaard had a rough night the other night, but it's um, but apart from that, we're you know we've. Uh, we've only conceded 23 in six games. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of them, again, was an 18-run inning. You know, sorry, 18-run, 18-inning 18 game. Yeah. So, you know, we're not pitching badly at the moment. Kasselman's picked up his, his, his game the last few games. He pitched well in relief last night. We picked up um, uh, Font. Um, but unfortunately, it sounds like we've given up quite a decent prospect for him, which I'm not. It's a player to be named later, so we don't know who it is yet. But. So I'm not overly thrilled with that. But the pitching at least is heading in the right direction. But that is the enigma that is the Mets. When we when we were hitting, we weren't pitching. And now <laughs> when we're hitting, we're not hitting. You know, yes. so it's um but you know, at least we're getting one we keep getting one thing right. <laughs> you know, so it's um yeah, it's just annoying, really, at the moment. If we just put the two together, that's what I thought. That when I so- looked at this side, no, before the season started, I thought, yeah, this side, um, it, the, finally we've got the offense to go with the stellar pitching. Because um, I thought, you know, Conforto is going to come into his own. He's been okay-ish, but not nothing great. He's been drawing a lot of walks. Um, uh, but, we, yeah, we probably need him to sort of rediscover his early season form. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you want pick. But hopefully Lowry come. I think he's been activated in time for this weekend. Maybe not. I think it's he's ready for the start of the series against the uh, Marlins, um, which starts Friday night, I think. And it's uh, so hopefully he's you know he uh, starts you know at third base hopefully, and we don't have to see Todd Frazier ideally ever again. <laughs> You know, but um, you know, he's not going to accept being demoted, and obviously. So, because I, you know, I'll be if, if if he ever played for the Mets again, it will be five billion days too soon, really, for me. Because it's I just, as I said, he's a decent enough guy. I, I'll say that and he's a reasonable glove, but as a base, as a bat, he is abysmal, as far as I'm concerned. In terms of a guy who is actually paid to hit. You know, so it was. Um, uh, it's it's just not good viewing at the moment. But it's hopefully Lowry coming in, and maybe it will. Um, it maybe will spark something. Maybe Lowry coming in will be because you know he had a good season last season, and maybe he'll come in and hit the ground running and 
maybe he'll be the spark that we need. But as I said, the next nine games, because uh, I think we've got six against Mole and three against Anats, and we really need to to hammer that if we're gonna. I mean, we need to gain some ground now because we have. It's only four and off games. I get that, but we're just really underperforming at the moment. We really need to hit our strides and quickly. Yeah, this is yeah. That that was one of the other positives I wanted to give you was that your your uh, schedule coming up: three against the Marlins, three against the Nats at home, uh, three on the road. Um, three. Wait a minute, two seconds. Yeah, three. Uh, th- three at home to the Marlins, three on the road to Washington, three on the road against the Marlins, four at home to the Nationals, and then three at home against the Detroit Tigers. So that's sixteen games where you got to fancy. You got to fancy. T- um, Doing some damage there, to be honest. Yeah, I think we've got to look to go. We've really got to take the ball by the horns and look to go somewhere like at least eleven and five. Yeah. You know, so it's um, we really, if we really want to talk about contending, because we've really got to be beating up on those sides. I mean, we had a four-game set against the Reds that you know I earmarked and thought, right, we've got to take three out of four here, and we only took two out of two. That's, you know, we only went two and two in that series, and it was a huge disappointment, um, really. But yeah, you're right. I think that that 16 game set, we're gonna have to. This is when uh, we really need to, as I said, take the ball by the horns. Yeah, it's uh, two bad teams, and potentially a chance to to get at the Nationals while they are they are scuffling. Um, as for the rest of the division, uh, the Marlins are exactly what we think they are. They are continuing to do very little. They are two and eight over the last ten. Um, they are ten and twenty-six. They are playing at the moment, and they are losing to the Cubs. So, um, kind of what you would expect. Um, I don't want to spend too much more time on the Marlins, to be honest. But one of these times over the next two or three weeks, we're really going to have to break them down. Uh, the Braves, I. The Braves swept the Marlins last week, and then they got swept in Los Angeles in uh, the last few days. Now, I did watch uh, a chunk of last night's game because Clayton uh, Kershaw was pitching and I like watching him. Um, the Braves, again, are just a mystery to me. Like, granted, they could do with their starting rotation getting healthy, but at the same time, they are getting enough out of um, the guys who have came in, like Freed and Sorota, to... Um, not really use it as an excuse at the moment, but um, I still can't figure them out. I still really can't figure out the Braves. They they still strike me as a good team, despite the fact they have essentially they are they are a game under five hundred, and they have essentially just been treading water as a five hundred team over the past few. Now they've given up too many runs to the Dodgers in this last series, which concerns me. But the Dodgers are a good team, so shit like that's going to happen. But. Um, the Braves have the Diamondbacks for four coming up, and then they've got the Cardinals at home, and then the Brewers at home. So we talked um, uh, last week about the Nationals having a tough schedule coming up. It's not great for the Braves at the moment, to be honest, because they are on the West Coast. They come back for a week, and then they go back to the West Coast. So um, yeah, like the rest of the rest of their May four in four in Arizona. Three at home the Cardinals, three at home the Brewers, and back out west to the four in the four at the Giants, three in St. Louis, and then they finish off with the Nationals to finish off the month. Not the easiest schedule, but to me, a schedule where five hundred is more than attainable. I still feel like there's a run in this Braves team. I still feel like there's a run in this Braves team where they're going to just 
play great baseball for a month or so. So I am so not ready to write anybody off in this division apart from the Marlins completely. But the Braves uh, still seem like a threat to me because when you look up and down their lineup and what they're getting from parts of their rotation, they're still a good team. And I think they're, they're, a, they're a much better team than a game under 500. Yes, certainly, yeah. But it's, um, uh, I mean, we've just sort of, we have talked about it, yeah, with these, it's like they just seem to be threatening to threaten, if that makes sense. I mean, it's yes. just, um, it's, uh, I mean, as I said, they scored, they started the, the series against the Marlins quite well, which is, you know, but considering the Marlins, they've actually, most of their damage that in, uh, in that one came via the bullpen, I think. So I think in the, um, I think they gave up 12, the Marlins gave up uh, 12 runs or something in that final two games, I think. And it was, um, uh, or something like that. And it's, so the, I think the majority of the damage was against the Miami bullpen. So the Miami starters have been really, really good um, of late. So it's just, um, especially Trevor Richards and even Urena had a decent start the other day. But it, it's, with the with the Braves lately, apart from those first two games where they scored sixteen runs, um, you know they they scored ten runs in four games. Um, since then, again, as you said, they played the Dodgers. They played a really really good team. But yeah, they conceded just too many games. I mean, finally Max Fried finally had a game where he's been. Um, I think he got pulled in the first inning. I think he got went for about three or four, and and then he got pulled, and then Fulton Avich um, uh, got. Rocked up in his last start. He's not been that great. Tehran's been very middling at the moment. But I, th- I agree, as you say. I think there's a, I think there's a twenty and five run in this Braves team. It just, I'm, maybe they're just going to be like this all season. Maybe they're going to be eighty two and eighty or something. You know, and it's. Uh, but you've got to feel that they're going to have a run at some point where they are just going to look unbeatable. And it, it's. Um, but everything is just in and around 500 with them, really, because, you know, last six games they've scored 26 and conceded 28. So it's it's very middling at the moment. And I think that, what, one game under at the moment. It's, again, I do it, but no one's really hitting for them. I and mean, that seems to be the problem lately. Because they're always, they're, virtually every pod that we've done, we've talked about how they're... Um, the pitching has been okay, um, but they're, they're always consistently hitting. But I think over the past week, even Freeman's hitting only like 270 or something. And and uh, I think like Marcakis, Marcakis is still walking a ton, but it's, um, yeah, late, they've had a really inconsistent. And I think, you know, three and three over the past six games rather sums up how the Braves have been all year. Yeah, I think I think the numbers for like certainly the top, top six in their offense are still good, but other than last night, um, where they actually got a lot of production out of the top three, um, they, 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 they started off really hot and it cooled off a little bit and it's starting to balance out. Now, Albies had two hits yesterday, Donaldson two hits, Freeman three. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that'll be the start of them getting hot again. But you still look at like the season numbers, at, like OPS, and I know it's one number, but like if you look at the top six that they put out yesterday, Albies 807. Donaldson eight forty six, Freeman nine twenty two, Acuna eight fifty. Granted, Acuna has been in a major slump. Marquecas eight eighty nine, Swanson eight twenty one. That's really good consistency, but like you say, that does come with a little bit of cooling off recently. 
So, um, but I still, I still think like we're now at that point where like, not that, not that the numbers are like what your season is going to be by any means, but the fact that they've got their, I guess, regular top six all OPS and over eight hundred. That's that's something to keep your mind on when you when you evaluate this team's future. Because yeah, the, like Freed uh, a night ago, he got into the second inning, and then he, I, I think he gave up three in the first, and then he got in the second inning, gave up a run before he got an out, and then got hooked. But um, I mean, his 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 numbers obviously took a hit, but they're still not bad for the season. Um, but again, Mike Fontanevich really hasn't been great, and he didn't look great in the first few innings I watched yesterday. I think he got out of the first scoreless, and he looked like he was struggling for command. Then he gave up like a two-run home run in the second inning, and it was just like downhill from there. So yeah, like they they need more from certain parts of the rotation, but I still feel like I still feel like if you break down what they're doing so far, they they look on paper like a team that are better than a game under. So um, I wouldn't panic about the Braves at the moment. I would only really start panicking about the Braves if more than Acuna go on like a major long slump. Like Acuna's slump is really concerning at the moment, but shit like that happens. But it's when you get two or three or four guys in the lineup doing the same thing that that's when it can really torpedo your offense. And yeah, things slowed down a little bit for the Braves offense, but it's not got to that level yet. So I'm not too worried. But again, we're now getting to that point where, you know, um, you're getting an idea as to what teams are. And if you look around some of the other divisions in baseball, it's uh, it's making for for interesting reading because if you look at, like for example, in the central division, there's four teams above 500. There's three above 500 in the west and only one in the east. So um, that that can that that looks concerning in some ways, but. I don't know. I still look at this division and I see uh, the Phillies are probably roughly where I expect them to be. Um, six games over. The Braves and the the Braves and the Mets are better than this. Washington are certainly better than eight games under, but I mean we've got we've got cause for concern with them as well. Miami are where you expect they're bad, but yeah, I think it's it's an opportunity now for the Phillies to start really building, but. As we've seen umpteen times um, all over baseball, when you predict a close race and one team starts to pull away, that's when things can get really, really interesting because it's not as simple as just expecting the Phillies to win two of three every night and expecting everybody else to be 500 or worse. So um, I still think this division is nicely poised and there's still a shit ton of baseball to go. We've got about, what, 120 games left each? You know, there's a lot, there's a long time for this to turn around. Yeah, certainly, and um, just a, a small uh, bit on the uh, uh, the Marlins before we finish um, was that um, was that it, it's been their starting rotation still looks like it's been really good. I mean, Caleb Smith against the Cubs the other night, uh, six and two thirds, five hits, three walks, eleven strikeouts. Pablo Lopez against the Braves, six six innings, three hits, one walk. Trevor Richards, four and a third, two hits, three walks, three strikeouts. Uh, I think even Urena, I think he had a bad bad outing against the Braves, but he got a good outing against the Cubs. All of those, no, I don't think any of them resulting in a in a win really. I think it's because like they they gave up two walk off homers to the Cubs, and um, and I think that the bullpen really really struggled against the Braves. I mean, it looked on paper it looks like they got completely 
are played by the Braves, but a lot of those games were close, and it's just um, and it just tailed away. I think it, when they lost nine two in the second game of the series against Braves, all nine of them were were from the bullpen. Mm. You know, so it's um, I mean it's not doesn't take a genius where where I mean obviously they're not hitting either. It's um, I mean their run differential is um, I think in the worst in the league I think, or at least second only to Baltimore. But, uh, but yeah, they're exactly where we expect them to be. But I do think there's reasons for optimism long term, as I say, because I think they've got some some decent young pitching, and um, it's uh, yeah, like I said, it's I think you summed up the division rather nicely, I'd say. Yeah, I think it's going to be it's going to be an interesting week. Phillies are playing interleague in Kansas City um, next before they come back and play. I think Milwaukee. Starting next week, yeah. Four at home against Milwaukee and three at home the Rockies. And then four at the Cubs and then three at the Brewers. So that is not easy at all. Like, you fancy your chances against Kansas City, but after that, it gets brutal. Like, four against the Brewers, three against the Rockies, four at the Cubs, three at the Brewers, three at home with the Cardinals, and then four, uh, three at the Dodgers. So the next three weeks is really, really, really tough. So, um, yeah, I think that as much as... Um, fellow Phillies fans like me can start getting a bit confident. Um, the next few weeks could potentially be humbling because that's some good teams you're coming up against. The Brewers are a very, very good team. The Cubs have been better than I think a lot of people expected. And yeah, I just think that um, like as 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 it's so easy to fall for your own hype, and I think that it would be very, very dangerous of the uh, Phillies to do that right now because there's some. There's some very, very tough games on the schedule coming up uh, for the rest of May. And, yeah, I I look forward to it. Um, and I look forward to the division uh, taking whatever shape it's going to take. But um, I think that despite the fact the Mets and the Braves are under 500, they are probably better than that. And like I said, the Nationals are better than being eight under already. But... Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be an interesting season. It continues to be interesting in the National League East, and we're going to come and talk to you next week about it as well because um, we seem to be missing some of these big series over the last couple of weeks. Um, but there, there's there's some very interesting games coming up over the next week. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about it again next week. But Thomas, as always, pleasure talking baseball with you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jody. And uh, there's going to be no my favourite this week because of uh, time constraints. But uh, next week, we're going to do my favourite nationals. We're going to save the brave for last. So we'll do my favourite nationals, which will probably come out a week on Monday. But we will talk to you again next Thursday about the seven days coming up. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again soon.